Section 19 of Great Pirate Stories. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by James Christopher. Great Pirate Stories by Various. Edited by Joseph Lewis French. Section 19 The Last of the Sea Rovers. The Riff Coast Pirates. Footnote. From the Nautical Magazine. End footnote. W. B. Lord. O oh, nay, O oh, nay, then said our king, O oh, nay, this must not be. To yield to such a rover, myself will not agree. He hath deceived the Frenchman, likewise the king of Spain. And how can he be true to me, that hath been false to twain? Old Sea Song of the Year 1620. Probably by this time, the greater part of the piratical craft along the Rift Coast has been destroyed, and the long-promised Moorish gunboats stationed there to protect foreign shipping. These steps have doubtless been hastened by the fact that the pirates, unfortunately for themselves, attacked a vessel some little time ago belonging to the Sultan of Morocco. For years past, the governments of several European powers have sought to put friendly pressure upon the Sultan of Morocco to effectually stop the depredations of the Riffian coast pirates. No strong measures, however, were really taken until the above episode occurred. It is said that in early days the Moors were some time in accustoming themselves to the perils of the deep. At first they marveled greatly at those that go down to the sea in ships and have their business in great waters, but they did not hasten to follow their example. One eminent ruler of ancient times in that region, when asked what the sea was like, replied, The sea is a huge beast, which silly folk ride like worms on logs but it afterwards became clear that the Moors had a strong fancy for the worms and logs, too. They gave up marveling at those who went to sea, and went on it themselves in search of plunder. The risk, the uncertainty, the danger, the sense of superior skill and ingenuity, that attract the adventurous spirit, and the passion for sport, are stated by some writers to have brought such a state of things into existence. One fact seems to be pretty certain, that when these depredations were first made, they took the form of reprisals upon the Spaniards. No sooner was Granada fallen than thousands of desperate Moors left the land, disdaining to live under a Spanish yoke. Settling along a portion of the northern coast of Africa, they immediately proceeded to first attack all Spanish vessels that could be found. Their quickness and knowledge of the coast gave them the opportunity of reprisals for which they longed. Probably this got monotonous in course of time, for in their wild sea courses they took to harrying the vessels belonging to other nations and so laid the foundation for a race of pirates, which has continued down to quite recently. As nowadays, the Moors cruised in boats from the commencement of their marauding expeditions. Each man pulled an oar, and knew how to fight as well as row. Drawing little water, a small squadron of these craft could be pushed up almost any creek, or lie hidden behind a rock, till the enemy came in sight. Then oars out, and a quick stroke for a few minutes. Next they were alongside their unsuspecting prey, and pouring in a first volley. Ultimately the prize was usually taken, the crew put in irons, and the pirates returned home with their capture, no doubt being received with acclamation upon their arrival. As far back as the 16th century, the Spanish forts at Alhucmas, not to mention other places, were established for the purpose of repressing piracy in its vicinity. Considerable interest is attached to several of the piracies committed during the past few years, as they culminated in strong representations being made to the Sultan of Morocco by the various governments under whose flags the respective vessels sailed.
Some of them went so far as to send warships to cruise along the Riffian coast. This step apparently had some moral effect upon the pirates, for from that time onwards attacks upon foreign vessels practically ceased. Something more than this, however, was needed, for no one could say how soon the marauding expeditions might be renewed upon a larger scale than ever, so as to make up for lost opportunities. On August 14, 1897, the Italian three-masted schooner Fudicia was off the coast of Morocco, in the Mediterranean, homeward bound from Pensacola to Marseille. Here she got becalmed, and while in that condition two boats approached her from the shore. At first the crew of the Fudicia thought they were native fishing boats. When, however, the latter got within a hundred yards or so of the helpless vessel, the suspicions of the crew were aroused. The captain warned the moors not to approach any nearer. A volley of bullets was returned by way of reply, followed by a regular fusillade as the boats advanced. There were only three revolvers on board the schooner, and with these the crew prepared to defend themselves. Soon, however, their supply of ammunition became exhausted, and the pirates boarded the schooner without further opposition. The vessel was at once ransacked, even the clothes of the crew being taken. The ship's own boat was lowered, and into this the marauders put their booty, and took it ashore, also carrying the captain and one of the crew with them. About an hour later, another boat, containing about twenty pirates, came off and fired on the ship. The crew, seeing that they could offer no effective resistance, hid themselves away in the hold. The other pirates had left very little for the new arrivals to take, and this seemed to annoy them so much that they gave vent to their ill feelings in several ways, not the least wanton being the pollution of the ship's fresh water. They also smashed the vessel's compass, and tore up the charts. For the next two days, the crew existed on a few biscuits, which the pirates had left behind. The following day, the British steamship Oanfa of London hove into sight. The crew of the schooner hoisted a shirt as a signal, which was fortunately seen, and a boat sent off in response thereto. Assistance was promptly rendered, and the Fudicia put in a position to resume her voyage. This was done until spoken by the Italian cruiser Ercole, which assisted the schooner to her destination. In October 1896, the French bark Prosper Carew was lying becalmed off all Hucmus, a place fortified by the Spaniards to keep the pirates in check, when several boats full of armed moors seized the vessel and made the crew prisoners. They then completely pillaged the ship, removing almost everything of any use or value. While the miscreants were thus busily engaged, a Spanish merchant steamship named the Servilla happened to come along, and was in time to capture one boat and rescue several of the prisoners. The Sevilla then made towards the bark, but the pirates opened fire on the steamer, killing and wounding some of the crew. The Spaniard was compelled to retire, leaving the captain of the bark in the hands of the Moors. Subsequently the bark was picked up in an abandoned condition by the British steamship Oswin, and towed into Almira. An arrangement was afterwards made with the pirates to release the captains of the Fudicia and the Portuguese bark Rosita Faru, a much earlier capture, and some members of both crews in exchange for the Riffians captured by the Spanish steamer, Servia, and a ransom of $3,000. It was only after prolonged negotiations and a large sum of money that a French warship succeeded in obtaining the freedom of the captain of the Prosper Carew and a few other Frenchmen. For some reason or other, the pirates seemed very much disinclined to part with these prisoners. Only a short time before the attack on the French bark took place, a notice was issued by the British Board of Trade, in which the attention of shipowners and masters of vessels was called to the dangers attending navigation off the coast of Morocco. The document then proceeded to detail the case of a British schooner Mayer, of Gibraltar, which was boarded about ten miles from the Rift coast by twenty moors armed with rifles and daggers. 
As usual, the pirates ransacked the vessel, destroyed the ensign and ship's papers, brutally assaulted the men on board, and then made off in their boat. Scarcely had the foregoing notice been generally circulated that another case of similar character happened in connection with the Italian schooner Scatolia. Again there is the Spanish cutter Jacob. She was running along the Moorish coast one fine summer's evening a few years since, when a boat full of pirates suddenly came alongside, and speedily upset the quietness which had previously reigned on board the Jacob. Five of the crew managed to escape in the cutter's boat, and were picked up some days later by a passing vessel. Those who remained on board the cutter fared very badly. After the vessel had been pillaged, the rigging and sails destroyed, the men were all securely bound and left to their fate. Fortunately, the weather continued fine, and the Jacob drifted towards the Spanish coast, where she was seen and assistance promptly rendered. The captain of another Spanish vessel had quite a thrilling adventure along these pirates in May 1892. He left Gibraltar in command of the bark San Antonio for Alcumas, and when about six miles from Panon de la Gamera, a boat manned by thirteen moors was observed to be approaching the vessel. When near enough, they opened fire, and ordered the captain to lower his sails, which was done, as the Spaniards were, practically speaking, without arms. The moors then boarded the San Antonio and took her in tow. When close to the land, the captain was rowed ashore, and the pirates spent part of the night in unloading the cargo. Next morning, the San Antonio was seen drifting out to sea, and the captain, who was afraid of being put to death, suggested that he should go on board and bring her back to Anchorage. Probably thinking that some of their comrades were on the bark, but unable to set the necessary canvas to return, only two moors were sent off with the captain, and these remained in the boat when the vessel was reached. Upon gaining the deck of the bark, the captain was surprised to find himself alone. Without hesitating for a moment, he released the crew, who were confined below, hoisted sail, and stood out to sea. The moors who had been left in the boat were speedily cut adrift, much to their amazement, for it so happened that none of the pirates had stayed on board. No doubt they were eager to find a safe hiding place for their plunder, and thinking the bark still quite secure till morning, took no further heed of the matter. A few days later the San Antonio arrived at Gibraltar, where full particulars of the outrage were furnished to the authorities. Space will not admit of details being given of the attacks on the Spanish bark Goleta, the Portuguese bark Rosita Faro, the British Felucia Joven Enrique, and other vessels. It should be mentioned, however, that several famous and foreign sailing yachts upon various occasions have had remarkably narrow escapes from being captured by these sea ruffians. It is sincerely to be hoped that the Sultan of Morocco is carrying out his task in such a manner as will induce the inhabitants of the Rift Coast to follow some occupation in future which is more likely to be appreciated by those who have to navigate vessels in the Mediterranean. Previous to stern measures being taken by the Sultan, it was not at all uncommon for his envoys to the native tribes, for the purpose of obtaining the release of captives, to be received with derision. Often, too, they were maltreated to such an extent that they were glad to escape with their lives. Some of the neighboring tribes continually endeavored to purchase captives for the pleasure of killing them, but it is satisfactory to learn that no sales are recorded, as the anticipated ransom was always largely in excess of the sums offered by the bloodthirsty natives. End of chapter 19 End of Great Pirate Stories by Various Edited by Joseph Lewis French Recording by James Christopher Phoenix, Arizona December 2008